Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for choosing King Jordan Radio for Tuesday, May 27th, 2014. This is King Jordan you're listening to. Tonight we're scheduled to have a former WWE, WCW, and ECW superstar. So that's just 50-50 at this point. And I won't say who until uh, him or her calls in. In the meantime, uh, let's bring in our wrestling insider out of Chicago, where WWE Payback will be. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. How are you, pal? Hey, King. Great to be on. Happy uh, belated Memorial Day to everyone, uh, honoring those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, it's great to be here. Very excited for our guest, whoever it may be. And uh, lots to talk about. It's a huge month for pay-per-views and wrestling. Uh, as, as you mentioned, WWE Payback this Sunday, 
TNA has their uh, Slammiversary, their 12th anniversary show, and uh, WWE actually comes back again at the end of the month for a second pay-per-view, Money in the Bank. Two pay-per-views in one month. Oh, really? We haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. Okay, uh, let me see uh, on line four if we have either Blackjack or Dominic. Line four, your line is open. What do we got? Line four, going once. Okay. I have not checked in yet. Um, but in the meantime, JJ, I, I wanted to play part. Well, you know, the, the uh, big story is the big loss that Vince McMahon and company uh, have been going through in terms of they lost over $357 million. You want to explain that to the listeners? Yes, I mean, it was unbelievable story that we talked about briefly uh, last week. You know, this, you know, this kind of happens with the stock market. The WWE is a public-traded company. And, you know, with the announcement of their television deal not being as sweet as it was, and especially the launch of the WWE Network, I mean, the WWE in general, if you forget the stock market, they have lost a lot of money in 2014. But when you just add what happened last week with the whole stock market, they lost nearly $360 million. Vince McMahon, who used to be a billionaire, is now just, well, a millionaire. But still, I mean, losing 360 it's nearly a third of his wealth, a third of his fortune. It's just unbelievable, and it's sad to say, I guess, that, you know, with the WWE Network, they're continuing to lose money. I mean, it's just uh, it's very sad. They won't be making a profit with the WWE Network until at least 2015, and that's, I mean, who knows if this network will still even be around. I mean, it's uh, it's very crazy, and a lot of people in Stanford are, are very nervous, believe me. Yes, yes, and uh, tons of people are reporting it. Uh, Forbes.com actually uh, uh, came out with something about that, right? Yes, Forbes uh, made the announcement as well. Lots of people are covering the story. I mean, it's a huge story. Vince McMahon losing nearly a third of his fortune, $360 million just uh, that one weekend. It's just unbelievable, a huge story. But, uh, I mean, knowing Vince, I'm sure... He's going to find a way to continue on, and, you know, he's just going to have to just do what he does best and continue forward and try to make, you know, the WWE what it is and just make it the best product they can. But it's just it was a huge loss for them, just a, a catastrophic loss, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, no question. Let's, let's listen to this cut about the whole story. The big story this week we have to start with, Black Friday for WWE. They have re-signed with NBC Universal. They will be staying put. Raw will be staying on USA. SmackDown on Sci-Fi. Total Divas not going anywhere anytime soon. So all you Total Divas fans out there can rejoice. But the uh, the WWE stock didn't take so kindly to the news. Uh, Wall Street not happy with what WWE announced, which is what happens when you build things up and you build them up and you build them up and then you over-predict or over-promise and then you under-deliver. Wall Street does not take kindly to that. Uh, the deal with NBC is a multi-year deal. Don't know exactly how many years. We don't have all the details on the deal yet. We only know uh, bits and pieces of it. It's a multi-year deal. Not sure how many years. 
the revised forecast that WWE put out projects that they could grow their TV revenue to $200 million in 2015. Uh, that's combined, I believe, between revenue from the U.S., U.K., I think Thailand is the other big market. Uh, so that would work out to be somewhere between, I think the figures were 142 to $155 million for next year. Uh, and that's a hell of a lot lower than what some people were expecting, at least the people on Wall Street, which is really, I guess in this case, the only people that matter are the shareholders and the uh, private investment firms who were following this. And they heard those numbers and they said, boy, that's not what we were told. And it didn't help matters that WWE's projected break-even point for the network, remember they had a point where if they reached a certain number of subscribers, they would claim, I think it was like a million we need a million to break even. That's what George Barrios and all the executives and all the conference calls over the last several months kept saying. Well, it didn't help that their break-even point now has been shifted a little bit. Instead of one million subscribers, they now need... Be okay, uh, I believe we have our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. He is a former ECW superstar, a former WWE superstar, a former WCW superstar, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Hughes. Good evening, hey, Mr. Right? Hughes, and welcome Good to evening. King Jordan Radio. How are you? Great to, have, great to be on the show, man, and uh, I'm doing pretty good. You left the wrestling school, trying to teach some boys how to do it. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, let me see if we have uh, uh, our other uh, other uh, partner here. Uh, line number four, you're on. Line number four, are you there? Okay. Uh, okay, Mr. Hughes, welcome to King Jordan Radio. Let's start out at the top. Which wrestling federation did you start out with? I started in Kansas City, Kansas, for Bob Geigel for NWA Central States. I uh, was there for about a year and then went to uh, Minnesota with AWA. But my start was in Kansas uh, with Bob Geigel and Sonny Myers, old-timers. Uh, that's where I got my start, my hometown. And... Uh which out of, out of the uh, WWE, uh, WCW, WWF at that time, uh, which one did you go to first? WWF. I came in in 93. Uh, what did you do yeah, from WWF. there? Yeah. Uh, role. Uh, you know, I had to run with the Undertaker and, uh, you know, beat him up, took his iron. Only yeah. man who ever do that. And uh, first man who ever do it in professional wrestling here at WWF. That's right. And, uh, you know, and that's when everything started off as far as my run in the WWF. Uh, you know, and then, of course, then I, of course, I was there a couple other times, you know, with different people, but I had a good little run with the Ocean It was longer, but, you know, we can't stay young forever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before we ended up with TJ, uh, tell me how it was working with uh, Mark Calloway, uh, The Undertaker. What's he like? Well, you know, just another day at the office, you know. I mean, he's been around as long as I have. And, uh, you know, when we collided, yeah, well, it was, you know, it was a little louder. Pretty, my, pretty, it's probably my system. Just can you talk a little bit louder? My yeah. system is a little. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, he was uh, he was all right. I mean, you know, we had fun. Uh, we did casket matches all over the country. Of course, people that saw that when I took his urn and laid him and Paul Bear out. And took his urn, uh, you know, we ran around the country for a while, uh, you know, selling out places. Well, I had a pretty good time. Uh, it was, uh, had to pinch myself a couple times, though, make sure I wasn't dreaming. But uh, I woke up eventually and, uh, you know, and uh, got to wrestle all the other superstars there. And, uh, you know, left, and of course, went around the country and did some more other stuff around the world. And, and then she went back a couple more other times. Okay, uh, uh, before we go over to JJ, uh, tell uh, our listeners that are listening right now about your school. Yeah, I got a school down in Atlanta, Georgia. It's called WWA4. We teach you how to wrestle there. You can go on YouTube and see all the matches that we uh, had on the, uh, on there through the years. Heath Slater is one of my guys. He's in uh, WWE right now. Heath Slater. He got his start. Yeah, Heath Slater. He got his start at the WWA4 with me. And then, uh, you know, he was a good student. He learned fast. He was determined. He was hungry, and he listened to me. And and absorbed the knowledge that I had to give him. Now look at him, and they're having all kinds of fun. So if you want to be a wrestler, go to www.4.com, and it's all the details. We show you how to wrestle there. So what's the website? Say it again so they can hear it, Ben. WWA4. Okay, so if anybody out there is going to become a wrestler, they should go over to you. Absolutely, you right? That's right. We okay, don't, we don't uh, rob you. We don't take your money. We teach you how to wrestle. Let's go to line seven. I think we have uh, either Dominic or Blackjack. Dominic, are you with us? Blackjack, are you with us? Okay. Let's go over to JJ uh, for the next question. Yes, Mr. Hughes, as you mentioned, uh, your time with the World Wrestling Federation, the now WWE, and you talked about being one of the first superstars or being the first superstar to ever take the urn away from The Undertaker. And you were also, I remember watching you on Monday Night Raw when that was brand new. I mean, we never heard of Raw before. Now it's three hours. But you were a part of the inaugural run when it was just an hour. And uh, you were even wrestling. Uh, with guys like Mr. Perfect at King of the Ring and I believe, 93. I mean, what was it like right. working uh, with Kurt Henning? Well, I'll tell you something. Kurt Henning, man, i tell you, he was like a dream guy to work with. He was easy. He was, he was just a professional guy, man. I really enjoyed working with him. Uh, Lord rest his soul. Uh, he was a good performer. I see a lot of his son in him, too. But, oh, I yeah. son would have, but I believe if his son would have came to WWA 4, he'd be a lot better worker. Mm. Shots fired. <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Hughes, uh, you obviously heard about the news of the Warrior last month passing away. Yeah. A, did you know him? And B, the follow-up question, how was he? Was he a nice guy to work with? And uh, what, what's your whole thoughts about Jim Howard, the Ultimate Warrior? Well, I had never wrestled him before, but I knew him and uh, talked with him a few times. Uh, he was a good guy. He was uh, he wasn't uh, he wasn't bad to me. I mean, you know, he respected me, so I respected him back. So, you know, a lot of guys in the business I got along with. I didn't have any heat with maybe a one or two, but not that many. And, and 
you know, he was one of those guys that, you know, he did his thing, and uh, that was his gimmick, you know, that was his gimmick. He did it, and, uh, you know, and God bless him that he had the opportunity to make it and do all those fun things in wrestling. Absolutely, and uh, your stint at ECW, uh, can you tell the listening audience about that? Say that one more time. Your stint in ECW. Can you tell yeah. us about that? Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, got a call uh, right before St. Paul leaves. Right before he got it off the ground, and he was looking for talent. And uh, I was one of the guys, one of the first guys he called. Uh, and of course, I said yes because St. Paul go way back from our WCW days, and uh, he's a brilliant mind. When it comes to professional wrestling, the man knows wrestling, and uh, you know he helped me out along the way when I was in WCW. So I really trusted him, and uh, of course I said yes, and, and you know, and went on up to Philly and uh, started my little deal with them. You know, it was fun. You know, while it lasted, I had a good time. But you know, that particular style at the time wasn't wasn't Mr. Hughes. So you know. After a while, I just, you know, pretty much just said, hey, you know, I'm going to go on down the road here, you know, thank you very much, you know. But, yeah, UCW, you know, it was rocking right off the bat there. And, uh, you know, too bad it uh, went downhill. But, you know, for the times I was there, it was rocking. And what was it like to wrestle in that ECW arena? I was there personally, and it was rocking. Uh, How was it to be there? It's part of the show. Well, I'll tell you, you know, at all the arenas that I've thrown my body around in all over the planet, that's one of the most exciting arenas. The fans are just hands-on with the with the wrestlers. I mean, you know, they let you do your thing, but they encourage you to get out there and do your thing. And uh, that's what I liked about the ECW arena, man. That place will never die. I don't care if they tear it down, but they got a lot of good memories in that place, you know, and... Uh, you know, uh, I just had a good time, and thank Paul Lee for giving me a call to come down and help him out. No question. Okay, let's go back to JJ for the next question. Yes, I mean, we were talking about ECW and the passionate, you know, diehard fans of ECW who really, you know, followed and loved uh, the guys who, you know, literally you know, bled for them on a nightly basis. And uh, how would you compare the wrestling fans of today where it seems that, you know, even though, uh, you know, your main staples like WWE are kind of PG, it seems that the fans today, they're kind of trying to take over the show. They're trying, they're not even really paying attention to what's going on in the ring. They're just trying to just start their own chance and get themselves over yeah. What do you think of wrestling fans today as opposed to back then in ECW? Well, I think it's a joke right now. You know, I mean, wrestling ain't what it used to be. Uh, people don't buy tickets like they used to. People don't watch it like they used to. They need to get back to wrestling. They need to get back to characters and gimmicks, good guy, bad guy kind of matches, instead of, you know, just the Hollywood scene. I know that it helps ratings and money and so forth and so on, but the art of professional wrestling, if you do not want it to die, you need to change a few things and get back to what got you there in the first place. You know, because at the school where I teach, I'm old school all the way. I mean, I'm, you know, just like myself when I started, I'm 
I, I teach my guys all the stuff that they need to know, where it's believable looking, it ain't fake looking. Go give a guy a punch and a mile away, and a guy sell it anyway. That's what's hurting the business today. Folks, listen to me. If you want to be a good professional wrestler, go to WWA4.com. Let Mr. Hughes teach you how to do it. Keith Slater's doing his thing, former tag team champion. they got two action figures of him. He's married. He's having a happy life. He's living his dream. Like when he first came in, he wanted to be a professional wrestler and make it. I said, I can show you how to do it. That's his dream. I helped him do it. Look at him. Having a good time. Mr. Hughes, what uh, was your favorite moment that you always look back on? Like, uh, you know, something, maybe maybe it was a spot or could have been a match that you won, could have been anything. What was the most significant Uh moment in pro wrestling? Uh, I know there's probably a lot, but if you could name a few, what would you say is on top of the list? Well, uh, the first thing uh, that I can come to mind is when I <clears throat> when I was in WCW and coming in, uh, I had the same finished maneuver as Lex Luger, which was the torture rack. I didn't notice at the time when I was in AWA, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> I get a call from WCW. They're interested in me, and I guess they like what I did in the ring. And, and what year is this? This was back in when I first got started with WCW, which was back in 1989. And uh, got that call from uh, Jody Hamilton. He called me one day and said, they want to talk to you, you know, and you're available, so forth and so on. And uh, long story short, uh, when I finally made it here to Atlanta and uh, – after I wrestled, I'd say about a month or so, and then they offered me my contract. Now, that was the most highlighted in my life and career is when I got my first contract. It wasn't matches or anything. Because everyone's trying to get a contract so you can get a job, you know what I'm saying, so you can eat. <laughs> you know. So when they give you some guaranteed pay, you know, for a whole year, then that's, that's what a lot of guys are working and banging and clanging up and down the highway for, you see. And so when it happened for me, you know, that was the highlight of my career. Awesome. Uh, let me see. I think we have also one of our co-hosts, either Dominic Lente or Blackjack. Line six, uh, your line is open. Uh, are you there? Dominic, Blackjack. Okay, everybody wants to stay quiet. Uh, okay, uh, JJ, uh, go to the next question. Well, you mentioned one of your former students, uh, Heath Slater, who's a former three-time uh, WWE Tag Team Champion, and he's often part of a lot of kind of fun uh, gimmicks and stories in the WWE, but he's an extremely hard worker. So definitely, you know, the work that he learned from you in uh, WWA, uh, WWA4, I mean, it really shows because, you know, he's a lot of fun to watch. He really is uh, a hard worker, and he always makes everybody look like a million bucks. So it's just a testament how great uh, your your training school is. But uh, to go on to the next question, did you ever feel that you were maybe, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but typecast? You were often a bodyguard, you know, a bodyguard to Shane Douglas or to Triple yeah. H when he was Hunter Hearst Temsley and even Chris Jericho. I mean, did mm-hmm. it ever bother you? Did you ever want to be kind of no. your own star? Or, no? No, it didn't bother me at all because I was one of the main players, you see. 
I just yeah. wasn't just some guy out there in a suit and tie. I was Mr. Hughes. I was a bodyguard. That was the gimmick. So that's how they portrayed me, you see. That's why he had me go in there and take that urn from the Undertaker because the way that my character was being portrayed, where usually, you remember Big Bubba Rogers, he had the pretty much the same gimmick. But I know when Dusty gave me that gimmick, I had to take it and run with it and do it better. I couldn't do it the same way because I wanted to get to be seen, get better, you know, go forth and so on. You know what I'm saying? So I had to figure out a way, you know, because Bubba took off his hat, his shades, his tie. He pretty much took off everything but his shirt and pants, okay? So I was like, well, I have to change this up so people don't get me mixed up with him. So I had to figure out a way to leave the shades on and wear gloves. You know, I mean, I just took off the hat and jacket to go to work. You know what I mean? I think I have Dominic Valente on the the show. Dominic, are you there? Dominic, are you there? Okay, your line is open, Dominic. Okay. Oh, sorry, uh, Mr. Hughes. Uh, continue, JJ. I'm so sorry. Well, you were just mentioning your wrestling with glasses. How difficult. Was it to wrestle with those glasses on that they didn't come off or didn't break while you were wearing them? Well, well, that's the that's the mystery of it. <laughs> and and you know when I first started wearing the shades gimmick, of course I was a big cat at first, and I come to the ring with the shades on and the furry thing and doing the Rupert R. Jones dance and all that and the baby face, and then once I got the opportunity to play in the heel field. And when you uh, realize that I had a little little skills at the at the heel position, I started playing that a little more. And uh, when I got signed with WCW, they changed me over as a big cat and, you know, started being a bad guy. And then when Ole lost the book and Dusty came in and got it, that's when he switched me over to this bodyguard gimmick. So when he put me to the bodyguard gimmick, he said, well, do the, do the big bubble gimmick you know, but come up with their own name. And I was like, that's a no-brainer. I went ahead and did that. That's where Mr. Hughes came from. I always use my real name in it anyway. Yeah. But the deal with the shades is when I first got them, you know, I'd put the sports strap on, you know, like they're using baseball. Uh, and every yeah. time i take a backdrop or a belly to belly or something, they fly off, you know, and then I'd be like everybody else. So I had to figure out another way to keep those shades on, so i start putting electric tape behind, you know, in and out so it wouldn't stick to my head. And it was pretty snug, so that was the trick. It never came off. And back then I was big, okay. so... Let me uh, bring it to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, one of the co-hosts, Dominic Valente, joins us. Good evening, Dominic. Okay, let's try this one. Good hey. evening, Dominic. Are you- Yes. I'm here, bro. Okay. You're on the line with Mr. Hughes, JJ, and myself. You know, I was listening to this before I got clicked over, and it's a pleasure to be on here with you, Curtis the Cat Hughes. I go back with you, bro, from the AWA days. Thank you. JJ, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, Dominic. Great to have you on, man. Yeah, glad to be here. King, what's going on, bro? With that in mind, Dominic, ask Mr. Hughes the next question. All right. Um, highlights of back in the AWA. 
How, how was it coming up with Vern Gagne? Well, you know, coming up with Vern was real, real easy for me. They, uh, he really liked me. You know, they, he was like Geico. They like athletes. They were real athletes. So, you know, I was there doing some amazing things, and uh, I guess they wanted to see what I can do. And uh, they gave me a call, and Geico sent me up there for a TV taping one day. And next thing I know, Gagne fell in love with me, and he was pushing me like crazy. I mean, he just let me beat everybody, you know. I mean, I was pretty much involved in everything. And not soon further after that, that's when WCW called. Yeah, every so often they run the old AWA stuff on there. And I said, ah, oh, there he is, Curtis Hughes, yeah. when he was just Curtis the Cat Hughes. And before yeah. the Roughneck, Mr. Hughes came along. Right. When, when Big Cat was, a still, was still a little cat, you see. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once again, uh, we have Mr. Hughes here. Um, he runs a wonderful wrestling school and uh, uh, at a uh, superstar from the WWE. He has uh, as one of his protégés, and uh, of course the website is once again, Mister Hughes. The website is oh, I'm sorry, WWA4.com. If you want to be a professional wrestler and learn how to wrestle, come by and see us. That's what we do. And uh, if I'm listening and I'm a professional uh, and I'm thinking about joining your school, uh, give me a reason why I should come to your school. No doubt about it. The reason why you should come to my school, of course, do your research. You wanna, if you're really serious and about becoming a professional wrestler, do your research, find out from those schools if anyone has, you know, gone on to uh, – you know, the career that they're paying you to teach them to do. I mean, that's what we do. The proof's in the pudding. Uh, there's so many guys that's, that I've trained that came through the school. Heath Slater's one of them. A.R. Fox, Nation, Black Band, Jonathan Gresham, Sam Shaw, which is up in uh, uh, TNA, doing his thing there. You know, yeah. I can go on and on just to name a few, but uh, we teach guys how to wrestle. You can check us out on YouTube as well. You go to YouTube and type in WWA4, and you can see all the matches, up-to-date matches. We wrestle every Thursday night at the school, 8 o'clock bell time. The shows are free. If you're in the area, come on by and see us. Like I said, go to WWA4.com for the address and all the info if you're interested in coming to school, coming to the school and becoming a, a uh, student. It's only $990, I believe, with the cheapest in the land, but we do teach you how to wrestle. And we teach you how to get a job. So if you're interested in doing that, come see me. And of course, you have. Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank of his name. Uh, what's the kid that's in the WWE right now? Talent Slater, man. Pete Slater. Pete Slater. And he was in that major angle where the. Uh, Kids of the world, invaders. Uh, were you right, following yeah. him on? Oh yeah, that was yeah, a major yeah. Of course, yeah. He <laughs> was, uh, he was uh, excited and uh, he couldn't believe it. He's fired up and ready. I just told him, "Hey, you're good. That's why they're using you like that. You came to the right place. Okay, that's the right, the right decision you made. So you know, run with it. Run as far as you can run with the ball. Don't fumble it." <laughs> Basically, is what I told him. 
Yes, we spoke about WWF and uh, ECW. Uh, right. Tell me uh, some of your, your 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 feuds with uh, in WCW that you enjoyed. Uh, let me see a few in WCW I enjoyed. Well, you know, uh, you know, I didn't have too Were you many in the Bischoff era? Say that again. Were you in the Eric Bischoff era? Yeah, he was around when I was around, yes. He was at AWA when I was there. He was one of the announcers there, one of the guys that held the mic, you know, what guys did. The NWO and all that. With that? Well, well, I mean, I've been knowing Bischoff since my days at AWA, but, you know, yeah, he was around, uh, yes, when I was in WCW, too, the earlier years. And then, you know, towards the end, you know, I was going out, he was coming in, so... Always seen him, you know. Always been around him in my career, so he's not a stranger or anything. Uh, and uh, WCW, uh, is there uh, any moments there that you really enjoyed? Well, working uh, with anybody. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, I enjoy working with Junkyard Dog and yeah. Lord rest his soul and uh, Brad Armstrong. You know. Uh, you know Ron Simmons. You know different people like that. You know that. You know I, I had I had opportunity to work with Flair as a tag partner, and uh, you know just different guys, uh, veterans that I watched coming up had our opportunity to wrestle them, Harley Race, and you know guys like that. So you know uh, you know the guy I really enjoyed the most was Brad Armstrong. I enjoyed working with him. That would be, of course, the Road Dog brother. Uh, people that don't know, right? Say that again? That would be the Road Dog's brother for people not right. in the know. Right, yeah, and Road Dog's brother, yeah. So this is in the 90s, and uh, so did you expect WCW to actually beat the WWE at one point? They, they did for over almost two years in the well, ratings. You know, with the, well, you know, with the ratings, I really didn't pay that no mind. You know, I was just checking out, you know, the, the wrestling. I mean, you know, I don't care about all the other stuff. I'm just, you know, right. I, I fell in love with wrestling, and that's what I want to see. I don't want to see the soap opera part. I just want to see some wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, let's go with the JJ. Well, you know, we mentioned uh, as a bodyguard, you were there with Shane Douglas, with Hunter Hearst Helmsley before he got China, with Chris Jericho in the WWE. What did you do after the uh, WWE in 2000? I mean, what were some of your uh, memorable things working with the independents or with World Wrestling Alliance? Yeah, yeah. yeah, after I left there and I went all over the world, I was pretty busy after that run with The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. I was all over this planet, you know, going... I went to, uh, you know, Singapore a lot. I went to Japan a lot. I went to Puerto Rico a lot. You know, I went to Mexico. I went everywhere, you know. I was pretty busy. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, eventually that slows down. But, you know, you do you do a lot of things. And, uh, uh, you know, so I've been, of course, been at the school all that time. So, you know, the school has a long history of producing workers, so we're not just going to fly by night. 
cool that pops up and take guys' money for a few months and then close shop. We're there for the duration, you feel me? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Dominic. So, uh, yeah, JJ just me. mentioned something about you and Chris Jericho in the WWE. Right. I remember Chris Jericho with you and everybody that he brought out had the name Gracie on the back of his shirt. Right. He wanted to show that he was a shoot fighter. Right. But you were the main, you were the main guy under the mask, or, or, or were you just a bodyguard? I don't remember all of that. Yeah, I was just under the mask that one that one night in Raw. That's how they introduced me back to to Raw. Oh, okay, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know they were gonna put me as Mr. Hughes with him, but you know we were trying to run an angle with with uh, with uh, Ken Shamrock. So you yeah, know, Ken Shamrock. Okay. Trying, okay. trying to reel him in there and then trick him and then backfired on him and both jumped him, you know, and started. So that's how I had. Jericho started an angle with him and, and me too, you see. Right. Yeah. You know what it gave it away that it was you under no, the mask? No, nobody, no, nobody gave it away because they didn't know because I had the shades on up under there, you see. <laughs> yeah, so, but there was something something about you that was noticeable that I, I put know. on. I said, I bet you that's Mr. Hughes. Probably the boots, I don't know, but okay. you know, I watch you. I one, watch of, you one of your that. fingers doesn't bend, does it? Right, yeah, that's right, too, yeah. I forgot about I caught that. I said, I bet you that's Curtis yeah. Hughes under the mask. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's how a lot of folks notice it was the thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hughes, what would you say the uh, biggest misconception is of uh, wrestling in the minds of some people? The biggest misconception. Hmm. That's a good question. They think it's fake. Hmm. Right. You know, that's the part that gets me. This shit's hard, man. Excuse my language. But wrestling is hard work. The average person can get in there and do this. That's why they have to pay you to get it taught to them. You understand? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The main recipe that I'm sure you saw when Owen Hart did the move wrong on Stone Cold back in '97, and yeah. uh, he practically broke his neck. You know, not on purpose, yeah, obviously. No, but, you know, that you know, see happen. You know, Robinson Cano with 250 million dollars playing a, a game of baseball. Those guys never get hurt, hardly right. ever. To degree, right. and wrestling on a night in, on a night out, they put it all out. Oh yeah, I thank God for the years right. I never got injured. You know, like really seriously. You know. Have you ever worked with a uh, psycho Sid? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, back in uh, classes, I think it was the start. I think it was back in uh, when I was in WCW. It was me and the Motor City Madman tagging up against the Anthony Skyscrapers. We was up in St. Louis. Uh, I think it was the, uh, I think it was Arcade or Classic Champion, one of those, but <clears throat> it's online. Yeah, we talked on those two guys. Uh, I wrestled them several times through the years, though. You know. And that was the Undertaker. Was, no, that was, it was the Undertaker. Five at the time. 
Right. Well, him and Danny Spivey when we wrestled him up in St. Louis. It was two, it was taped, you know, it was a you know, it was a paid show, so it was live. Yeah, when you were in the AWA and Vader was just starting, that was that was the same time frame that you were there, right? Yeah, I was there, yeah, I was there, yeah. Yeah, there was another guy, a black guy. His name was Herculoid Boyd. I don't remember his first name, but he was built. And he was coming up the same time you were there and Vader was there. But I never yeah. heard from this guy any anymore after that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you remember who I mean, right? Not right off the bat. You know, I've seen so, so, so many guys through the years, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. So many different names, man. And if you're not willing for a period of time, you know, that name is not going to stick in the memory bank, you see. So... Yeah, he didn't last too long. He did a few tapings, yeah. and Vader was on all the time, and you were on all the time. He was Leon, just regular Leon White, the baby bull. But Herculoid yeah. Boyd, I don't remember his first name, but I don't know. I guess he, he couldn't cut it. Maybe decided yeah. he didn't want to do it anymore. Probably didn't. I don't know what happened with that, you know. Mm. I, I, really didn't, I really didn't get into other people's business. I just took care of myself, you know. Yep. Not my own business, basically. All right, so we got somebody in the chat, uh, Jeff from Brooklyn. Uh, he he wants you to give him a shout out if that's okay, Mister Hughes. <laughs> hey, what's up there, Jeff from Brooklyn? What's crack? Okay, awesome. Okay, a few more minutes with Mister Hughes, and then we'll let it go. Um, JJ, uh, next question. You know, yeah, I believe you mentioned you had another student who works for uh, TNA, Samuel Shaw, who I'm actually enjoying a lot. He has this character of this sort of creepy, you know, bastard. I think I really enjoy yeah. his work, and again, uh, it's a testament to what you do at your school. You really drive these guys to work hard and get really into their characters, into their wrestling. I mean, we've seen you in WWE, in WCW, and ECW. Would we ever see Mr. Hughes in TNA? Well, you know, if it get that call and the price is right, you know, I go wherever it takes. You say, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Right, it's, that's what it's about uh, these days. Were you surprised uh, that The Undertaker uh, lost this year's uh, WrestleMania when you heard that? No, or I wasn't if surprised. You uh, no, I wasn't surprised. I figured it was about due. I mean, he's about ready to retire like most of us around that age. So, you know, it was about time. Yeah. I don't think he wanted to just go sit down without just letting somebody else take the reins, you know what I mean? Right. Right, but the the thing is, uh, Mr. Hughes, they had Brock Lesnar go over on him, but we don't even yeah. see Brock Lesnar. So wouldn't it have been right. smart of them to put it on a young guy who, or a guy that's on the road all the time, you know, to break that streak? The streak is almost like a title. It was so, yeah. you know, pressing. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And yeah. from what I was told... Uh, that booking decision was done four hours prior to the show. It was almost like right. a last minute. To... So, right, yeah. you know, uh, the, you know he I didn't like look it. that great. He didn't look yeah. good in his, you know, it was kind of yeah. actually so different than the match that he had the year before with Mr. CM Punk. I don't know right. if you saw that. 
but it was like yeah, uh, nineteen. Yeah, I heard of it. Yeah, you know, like I say, you know, even during this stuff, few decades, you know, and uh, you know, getting up in age, you know, and uh, you know, these days it's young guy sport, you know, it's a little faster pace now. So you know, it's best to you know, you might as well you know, have a good run and uh, time to sit down and you know, help others, help young guys get you know in the business, whatever. Thoughts on the uh, old guys who hang on, i.e. Roddy Piper, i.e. Hogan, yeah. i.e. Uh, Ric Flair. What's your thoughts, yeah. not about wrestling, about the fact that they're, they're hanging on, maybe when it's time to, you know, take a bye? Well, you know, well, you know, just like you know myself. I mean, you know, once you get bit, man, it's like you're bit forever. I mean, it's like you don't want to sit down, still want to. Participate, you still want to play, you know, and uh, you know, you just keep going as long as you can go. Right, right. It, it, it's almost like a rush, right? For some of these wrestlers, like Rick yeah, Flair and well, Hogan. You know, you've been doing it for so long, you see. It's a career, you know. I mean, just like any other career you're into, man, you know, it takes a lot of guts to sit down, man, and, you know, and realize, hey, you know, my time has come, you know, I got to pass the torch and let other people, you know, take it from from here, you see. And that's why, oh, no. you know, that's why my heart is in training people the right way. And uh, when you were in WCW, uh, I heard mixed reviews about their power plant. Do you, uh, did oh, yeah. you ever see it, Hey, and, and can you tell me anything about Sergeant something who ran it? Oh, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Yeah, Sergeant what about yeah he was a trainer there. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know. Daniel Bryan and uh, Sergeant uh, was really uh, pissing on him and really uh, really being mean to him, uh, as yeah. he recalled uh, Daniel Bryan. And he said, this little guy is, you know, stuff like that. Or it was yeah. Batista, I think that that was the guy who said that. Yeah, Batista, I stand corrected. Uh-huh. Okay. So what's your thoughts well, you on know, that power well, you know, different people, uh, you know, have their different ways of teaching. And, uh, you know, uh, I think experience, you have to definitely have that under your belt if you plan on teaching somebody how to do this stuff because it takes a lot of experience to get it right. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I don't talk bad about anybody because he wasn't like that with me. We got along great. We worked together in WCW. He was a good guy to me. So, Whatever everybody else says it says about the guy, that's on them. But as far as Mr. Hughes and Buddy Parker, I don't have no heat. I never have. And uh, we got along great. I mean, we wrestled together. We had good matches and tag matches together. As far as his training goes, you know, that's 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 where everybody else feels. I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not obligated to judge him like that. You understand? Absolutely. And, uh, do you did you ever think at one point uh, that Vince McMahon might be a racist because you know he had put on the belt until Booker T and uh-huh. uh, it was only a few years ago did it did mm-hmm. it question you why it took so long for a uh, a guy of color to be a world champion when there's so many well, talented like Farouk was in uh, WCW with the title. 
and countless others? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, as far as that raises no, I don't think, I don't believe he is because he hired me three different times. I mean, he was good to me. He treated me great. I don't have anything bad to say about Mr. McMahon. He was a good guy. I mean, as far as treating me good, he treated me great. I mean, other people probably had bad experiences with the guy. But as far as me and Vince McMahon, it's, you know, the man, like I said, he gave me a job three different times. So that gives you, that tells me a lot about him. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't the color thing. It was the green thing. You feel me? You. <clears throat> okay, we'll get two more questions for you. We'll get out of here. Let's go JJ first and Dominic. Um, I mean, I know you're busy with your school, with the uh, WWA Ford and training new students, but do you have time to, to watch the current product? Uh, are you kind of uh, – do you feel that there's too much uh, focus on, you know, storytelling and those sort of Hollywood-type, you know, soap operas? Or would you want to see more wrestling? Exactly. No doubt okay. about it. That's the way I teach, man, at my school. I focus on the wrestling part. That's the part that guy gave me the bug. That's the part that gave a lot of them the bug, and I'm old school all the way. So, you know, yes, we teach you the, you know, how to work your gimmick, how to do promos, how to get up on there and, and play your character to the T. We teach all that stuff, but we teach you how to wrestle. That's what's going to get you where you need to be, not running spots and running out there doing foolish, cheap, you know, soap opera bull crap. It won't get you by for just a season. you got to be able to learn how to wrestle, be a good wrestler, so you can learn, do this stuff for a long period of time. And that's what we teach at WWE for. All the proof is in the pudding. You just go online, you can see Heath Slater on television, Sam Shaw on television, all these other guys that went through my school, and they're, out, they're successful right now. And Heath Slater, uh, how... How was he? How long did it take? Yeah, I love talking about him because he was very humble when he first came in there. He was willing to sit down with me, eye to eye, ask me questions. He was serious about making it. He asked me what did he need to do to make it. I said, just listen and learn. Don't act like you know every damn thing. Absorb this knowledge that I have to give you. And then all I, that's all I had to do. He was there every day. He worked hard. He worked hard. He, you know, he did what he had to do. And once he got uh, enough matches under, under his belt at the school, then I took him on the road with me. When I got shows, I booked him and a few other guys with me to show him the ropes, you know. He needed more matches outside the school. So the more I got booked, the more he got booked and so forth and so on. And uh, he did it exactly what I told him. And, uh, he understood the psychology of the way I explained it to him, and that's why he's making a living now. Absolutely. Okay, let's go to the final question with Dominic Valente. Yeah, I like Keith Slater myself, and I like the other two guys with him, but I think they need a new gimmick. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're working on that. You know, they always I hope. do. <laughs> you know, they always do. You know, they... They'll, they'll run you with some people and see how the people are responding, and then they'll branch off eventually and then see if the people respond with you by yourself. And then if, if they do, then they'll keep pushing you. That's how it works. 
I think it was better when he was the one-man southern rock band. Because yeah, now they brought Hornswoggle into the mix, yeah. and it's, it's, it's too much comedy. I don't like yeah. what I saw last night on Raw. There wasn't yeah, enough wrestling. It, I didn't see it, but I can imagine. <laughs> you ain't missed nothing, Mr. Hughes, believe, <laughs> believe yeah. me. Yeah. yeah they I talk, like they talk on the promos. They don't shut up. And they repeat right, yeah. the same stuff week after week, and it's like, all right, yeah. let's get to some wrestling. But Exactly. That's what I was saying. Where's the wrestling at? You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you buy a pay-per-view, you want to see some wrestling, not a bunch of talking and fighting in the back. I want to see somebody wrestling, working holds. That's it. There's a pay-per-view <laughs> Sunday. We only got four matches. Get out of here. Yep. My Who goodness. is it, King? Bray Wyatt and uh, Cena. Wow. Right. The ladies' title. In the right. Oh, yeah, the two What's midgets are on the pre-show. Yeah. JJ, what am I yeah. leaving out? They got six uh, confirmed matches, actually. Oh, they do? Yeah. Wow, they need to change them up, change the things up a little bit. They'll get more fans back. Yeah, they should. You know, you know I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, it's you know, much better, though, than they had... Both shows on simultaneously, Mr. Hughes. Would you agree? When Nitro was, was on good. and Raw was on simultaneously? Yeah, that was awesome. You had some competition, you see? Yeah, you had a choice, you know. And, and the matches were much better because there was competition. So they said, well, we got to do our best matches here so we can get those fans to watch us. Yeah, at one time. The uh, Nitro with Hogan and Goldberg threw a whopping 6.8. And, uh, you know, they, they, they average about a 2.1 or 2.4, stuff like that. I don't see numbers right. like that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so right. that's a shame. You know, TNA tried to go up head-to-head with them uh on a Monday, and I give them credit, and uh, but that didn't work. Did you hear nah. about the recent news about Vince McMahon? Say that again. Before we let you go, did you hear the the recent news about the uh, money loss uh, of Vince McMahon? No. JJ, can you fill them in? Yes, with uh, the stock market, it was announced uh, last week that Vince McMahon lost nearly a third of his fortune, $360 million in the stock market. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I did hear about that. Oh, boy. That's a lot, that's a lot of bread. <laughs> Forbes.com is uh, reporting it. A very credible site. Uh, so... Absolutely. So let's get back to the wrestling school. Uh, they could right. they could be from anywhere, right? Because they don't have to live in Atlanta, right? They can live in New no, York. We get, we get guys we get guys coming from all over the planet. We got a guy just came in from Japan. He's been there going on like three weeks. Got a guy coming in from France. We got people come from all over to come to the school, you know, and they're coming to get the wrestling because they know that they'll learn how to wrestle there. You know, you, like I say, you can do your research all you want to. Make sure you do it. But I guarantee you, if you come to the school, we will teach you yours truly, total protection, and show you how to be a wrestler. It's only $990. That's 
that's good compared to a lot of them that, you know, I won't mention the others, but, you know, they they take your money and they put you through a riveted workout and then you're done. So you, right, what's yeah, your, uh, you don't well, do that, right? No, of course not, you know. I mean, like I said, the proof's in the pudding, you know. I was, you know, I've been there going on a decade there, and, you know, my whole method is teach them how to wrestle because when they leave that school, my name's on that, okay? My name's on that resume. Yep. Who taught you, Mr. Hughes did? Okay, I believe you. All right, so you're going to get taught how to wrestle. We just don't take people's money because this stuff's in my heart. I want to see every student that comes to that school try to at least make it or make their money back. And I put the time and effort in to show you how to do that. So if you want to be a professor wrestler, go to www.com right now. Say it again. www.a4.com. www.a is an apple. The no, number four. W, w, two W's, an A and a four. www.a4.com. A4.com. Yeah, and uh, is, there a is there a telephone number where they could call, or is it on the website? Yeah, it's on the website. Yeah, the phone number is on the website, and uh, a guy named Frank will answer. He's the owner, and uh, he'll he'll direct you to me. You talk to him, he'll definitely uh, direct you to me, and uh, we'll get you going. But I'll be glad to give well, you that thanks. number if you, if you want it. His number is 404 Six, six, seven. Yeah, four zero four. Six, six, seven. Six, six, seven. Uh, four. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Bear with me. Here. <laughs> had to get my, had to get my, had to get my eyeballs, man. <laughs> you know, ain't no spring chicken, you know. <laughs> yeah. Bear with me here. Yeah, it's 404-667-1484. 404-667-1484. That's the WWA4 Wrestling Hotline right there. You'll get How is it over there in Atlanta? Is it hot, like here in New York City? It was, it was beautiful. Uh, it rained yesterday, and then... And then it was kind of quiet in the day, so it wasn't. It was around around in the 80s. It wasn't that bad. We had a little, we had a little cloud clouds working, so that kind of keeps it keeps it cool a little bit. Yeah. You, you keep in touch with the other sports, Brave. Uh, uh, well, you know, I keep track of my college. I went to Kansas State University, so I keep track of them. You know, but that's about oh, okay. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Thank you, Mr. Hughes, for coming on King George Radio. We really appreciate it. And uh, we hope you come back. Thanks for having me, man. Okay. Appreciate it. Mr. Hughes, a okay. pleasure, bro. You bet. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Hughes. Yeah. Take care. Okay, that was the great Mr. Hughes and uh, JJ, your thoughts. 
Oh, man, uh, it was really cool. It was a, a great honor to have him on, someone who I've watched over the years, as you mentioned, you know, seeing him briefly with ECW and uh, WWE and WCW. He, he's been everywhere. He's really done it all and uh, in his career, and it's awesome to hear the stories of him, you know, training these new talents like Heath Slater and uh, Samuel Shaw and seeing what they've been doing uh, since then. So they're He's really had his hand in, uh, you know, what's going on with wrestling today. That's so really cool, man. He was a really down-to-earth guy, really cool. Uh, Dominic, your thoughts? Yeah, I've been a Mr. Hughes fan since the AWA days. And whether he was a bodyguard or a wrestler or just ready to knock the hell out of you, I was always a fan of his. Seems like really, really a hell of a nice guy. Oh, absolutely. And uh, sounds like a good school uh, from yeah. what I could gather. Yeah, Heath Slater is excellent. I, he's just got to get away from that that three man band gimmick. Yeah, it's just let's play it out at this point. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last week we were talking about Vince McMahon uh, losing uh, a lot of money. Let's take a listen to the clip, and on the other side, uh, we will debate it. Black Friday. Big story this week. We have to start with. Black Friday for WWE. They have re-signed with NBC Universal. They will be staying put. Raw will be staying on USA. SmackDown on Sci-Fi. Total Divas not going anywhere anytime soon. So all you Total Divas fans out there can rejoice. But the uh, the WWE stock didn't take so kindly to the news. Uh, Wall Street not happy with what WWE announced, which is what happens when you build things up and you build them up and you build them up and then you over-predict or over-promise. And then you under-deliver. Wall Street does not take kindly to that. Uh, the deal with NBC is a multi-year deal. Don't know exactly how many years. We don't have all the details on the deal yet. We only know uh, bits and pieces of it. It's a multi-year deal. Not sure how many years. The revised forecast that WWE put out projects that they could grow their TV revenue to $200 million in 2015. Uh, that's combined, I believe, between revenue from the U.S., U.K. I think Thailand is the other big market. Uh, so that would work out to be somewhere between, I think the figures were 142 to 155 million for next year, uh, and that's a hell of a lot lower than what some people were expecting. At least the people on Wall Street, which is really, I guess in this case, the only people that matter are the shareholders and the uh, private investment firms who are following this. And they heard those numbers and they said, "Boy, that's not what we were told." And it didn't help matters that WWE's projected break-even point for the network. Remember, they had a point where if they reached a certain number of subscribers, they would claim, I think it was like a million. We need a million to break even. That's what George Barrios and all the executives and all the conference calls over the last several months kept saying. Well, it didn't help that their break-even point now has been shifted a little bit. Instead of 1 million subscribers, they now need between 1.3 and 1.4 million to break even. So I don't know if that means their operating expenses were, were more than they had uh, planned for, but whatever the case may be, uh, that also did not sit well with people. And no word on whether SmackDown is going live on Tuesdays or not, which probably means it isn't happening. It's staying on Fridays. There were a lot of people who thought SmackDown was definitely going to move to Tuesdays and be live. Uh, I, I never read anything that would lead me to believe that that was definitely going to happen. And the fact that it did not come up in the press release, they haven't said anything about it, pretty much tells me it's not going to happen. Uh, they'll have their live Tuesday specials every now and then, but it's probably staying put on Fridays. Uh, speaking of Fridays, Friday, not a good day for WWE. In fact, Friday will probably go down as one of the worst days in company history. 
when you when you just look at the implosion of that stock, 50% drop in pre-market trading on Friday morning. By the end of the day on Friday, according to Forbes, Vince McMahon had lost $340 million. No longer a billionaire. Uh, he is now worth a measly $760 million. So excuse me while I grab the world's smallest violin to uh, string for Vince McMahon. I think he'll be okay. But boy, you know, Stephanie sure is lucky she sold all those shares over the last year, huh? <laughs> that was the, one of the first things I thought of, and I know some of you guys did too because you tweeted me about it. All those stories came out. You go back like six months, eight months, maybe maybe longer. And every few weeks there were stories of Stephanie McMahon selling shares of her Class A stock, a little bit here, a little bit there. Then she sold even more and even more. And I think I think last year she sold about $8 million worth of stock. Another $2 million in January she cashed out. She's a, she's a smart lady. I'm not saying she did anything wrong or, or anything illegal. I mean, I think when she sold to her stock, most of it anyway, I think it was about $9 maybe, $10. Uh, you know, it's not like she sold it when it was up around 30 you know, uh, about a month and a half ago. But I don't know, it makes you wonder. They they had put a statement out because people were curious why she was selling so much stock. And I think they said she was, you know, cashing out to build a house. I would love to know what this house looks like or where, where this house is being built that they claimed uh, she was, she was going to be building. I haven't heard anything about it since. There was news that uh, another private investment firm has bought a stake. They've taken a stake in shares of WWE. They're calling for the entire executive management team to be fired or for new ownership to take over, following uh, what they call a consistent period of losses, execution issues, and material misstatements. The misstatements thing is, is, is an interesting one. And by the way, for all the people who think, oh my God, does this mean Vince McMahon is going to be pushed out and we're going to have a new owner of WWE? Vince McMahon is still the majority shareholder in that company. I think he, he owns like 87% of stock or in the company or something something like that. Uh, Vince McMahon is not going anywhere. Now, I don't know if you're a person like a George Barrios or any other executive, a CFO, COO, uh, or whoever, I might be a little nervous. You know, WWE, they have a conference call, I know, scheduled on Monday morning to try to kind of put everybody's mind at ease. That's going to be a very interesting call. Vince will be on there. We'll see what he has to say. But long story short, it all goes back to Vince McMahon's promise to a shareholder in August of last year that they would at least double their TV revenue. That's what he said. He said, we're going to at least double our television revenue, and if we don't, I'll let you put me in a hammerlock. That's what he told the guy. And what ended up happening is they went up, I mean, again, with this deal, they went up, what, 25%, 50%, yeah, which is not bad news. You always want to go up instead of going down. The problem is it didn't live up to the promises that the, the CEO made. If the CEO says, we're going to at least do this, and you don't do that, your numbers are going to go down. So again, it's an increase. They're going to make a lot of money. Not nearly the money they said they would. And, and that's a problem when you make bold claims like that to Wall Street and you don't deliver. You know, USA, I, I think USA Network is really the best fit for them. I'm glad they're staying put. But they're not going to be bringing in three or $400 million on this deal to where that money, let's say, can offset whatever losses they, they incur from the loss of pay-per-view, because that, that is going to hurt them going forward. As they lose more pay-per-view clearances, uh, it's going to hurt them, because not everybody is going to subscribe to the network. I, I like the network. I love it. You know, I think it's a steal at nine ninety nine. I'd get in on it now if you could. I know some international people can't. 
But I, I tell people, yeah, absolutely sign up for the network and do it now because I guarantee you a year from now it's going to be more money, whether it's a dollar, $2, that price is going to go up at some point. For $9.99 for the content they give you, I think it's a steal. But that doesn't mean that you're going to, if you, let's say, have 50 million WWE fans around the world, and I know they'll claim more, that doesn't mean all 50 million, if they have the network, you know, the ability to sign up, are going to do that. It's a big difference between being a fan and being a network subscriber. Some people, they, they just feel, I don't have the money, uh, or, I, you know, I like wrestling, but I don't want to sit around all day watching wrestling. Whatever their reasons are, uh, you know, you, you, it would have been easier for them to bring in, let's say, $400 million on a TV deal and kind of be like, whew, all right, well, whatever happens now, at least we have this, this huge influx of money, so we could, we could afford to take our time building this thing, even if it takes a while. You know? and, and they'll still be okay, but they don't have that huge influx of money coming in like they thought they would. You know, they're not you know, NASCAR. Okay, and I want, I want to talk about this before we move on here, because this is an important point. What, what happened here is that they saw all of these other sports leagues, the NBA, the NHL, NASCAR. NASCAR just signed a new TV deal for something ridiculous like $820 million for NASCAR programming. You know, they saw that and they said, hey, we're just like sports. Only our ratings are better, which they are, and we have all of this programming. We, ha we don't just have Raw and SmackDown. We have Raw and SmackDown. We have main event. We have reality shows, even though nobody picked up Legends House and they put it on the network. Uh, Total Divas seems to be doing well you know, on E. Look at us. We have all this different programming, but clearly nobody bought what they were selling. That was their big pitch. NBC had the right to match the offer from another network. If Spike TV said, you know what, fuck TNA, we want to get back in bed with WWE, we're going to make you an offer. We're going to make you an offer to double what NBC is giving you right now. NBC had the right to then match that offer if they wanted to keep WWE. And the fact that <laughs> they're not getting much more than what they were already getting tells me that they, that, that offer from Spike or whatever network never came. Nobody ever offered them that much money, because if they did, they'd either be there or NBC would have matched it. And that didn't happen. So it, it doesn't sound like a bad strategy for them to make that pitch. I, I mean, I might do the same thing if I were in charge of negotiations for WWE. You know, position yourself with the NBA, position yourself with the NHL, NASCAR, whatever. The problem is, it was so transparent. Anybody who's followed wrestling for any length of time, okay, not, for, not, not a private investment firm or a shareholder, you know, people like you and me, who follow WWE, who maybe pay a little bit of attention to how they brand themselves or, you know, read the transcripts of these investor calls, we could see what was going on here. For the longest time, they were trying to position themselves as, as a sport because they wanted sports-like money. But the problem is, for years, they shouted from the highest rooftop, we are not sports. We are entertainment. You know, what, what UFC does and what we do are two totally different things. They're sport, we're entertainment. We put smiles on people's faces. We make movies. Remember that classic Vince line? They make movies every week, like Raw is a movie. It's a three-hour movie. Well, you can't have it both ways, dude doesn't work that way. You're either a sport or you're not. They only want to be a sport when it's convenient for them. When, when their DVDs were top, you know, atop the sports charts at number one, the Billboard sports charts, we would get a did you know fact about it on TV. At the same time, they were claiming we're not a sport. So 
So nobody bought into that baloney. Had they taken their product in a, maybe a, a slightly different direction, let's say five years ago, a little more sport, a little less cobra, a little less cane dragging people to hell, who knows? Maybe somebody would have bought into it, but they didn't. The one good thing for them, at least they have their TV deal locked up. The same can't be said for TNA. TNA is in a more uh, precarious position right now. Their deal with Spike is up in the fall. There's been no announcement of a new deal between the two sides. TNA, I know they partnered up with that talent agency, that UTA agency, uh, to help negotiate a new deal for them. Now, WWE staying on USA is, is good news because that means they're not going back to Spike, which would have meant the death of TNA. So they get a stay of execution in that way, but that doesn't automatically mean that Spike is going to keep them. You would think they would. I think, you know, Impact's ratings, it's pretty much, if nothing else, you know, you can, you can pretty much set your watch to what the Impact rating is going to be week to week. You know, it'll fluctuate. Sometimes it'll go down to like a .8 or a .9. Some weeks it'll go up to a 1.2. You know, there's no rhyme or reason for it, but it, it generally stays in that range. Uh, and it probably does better, I'm guessing, than most programming on Spike does. But it's entirely up to them. The ball's in their court. If for whatever reason they're like, you know what, we don't see any upward mobility here, we want to go in a different direction, that could be it for, for Spike and TNA. So that's the next big story that's going to have to get sorted out, and it's going to have to get sorted out in the next few months. It's going to have to get sorted out this summer. And uh, these things normally, you know, you don't wait until the last minute. So I would think if there's going to be some sort of announcement that it's going to come in the next, you know, month or two. So we'll follow that and we'll see what happens. Okay, JJ, uh, your thoughts on his commentary, uh, TV tracks, courtesy of. I think uh, the whole deal with uh, NBC was for at least the next four to five years. So we'll see Raw and USA and you know SmackDown on Sci-Fi for the next four to five years with uh, NBC and their sister networks. But uh, as he mentioned with TNA, TNA, you know, they only have, you know, a few months left before, you know, Spike the, uh, TV decides their fate. But uh, back to the WWE, I think they mentioned April 7th that they did want, you know, 1 million subscribers to the WWE Network, and they didn't get that. I think they got around maybe 667,000. I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. They, they didn't quite make not that. not what they you know, wanted. Yeah, it's not what they wanted, but at least, you know, they met at least halfway. And, again, this is only in the United States. It's not all over yet. But, uh, you know, they are losing right. a lot of money. In the, in the summer. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, they're going to be adding new shows. I think they're going to add, finally, that, you know, Monday Night War. So I don't know if they're going to get some more subscribers to who want to relive those days with WWE and WCW and Raw and Nitro. So until they have that show, maybe a few more people might start subscribing. But, again, you know, they're really in the red here. and We won't see them, you know, make a profit if they make a profit, probably by 2015. So, I mean, they're really, again, nothing, nothing too bad. You know, you're not going to see the WWE fold or anything. They're not going out of business. But for them, it was, you know, a huge loss for them. Okay, Dominic Valente, your take on the uh, whole uh, situation with the WWE and stuff. Well, to be brutally honest, and I hope I'm wrong, within a year, I don't think the network is going to exist. I think they wanted more wow. people to join it than, than are or did, and they're just not getting it. The product that we're right. seeing on TV is fucking horrible. Right. 
And I don't think anybody's buying into McMahon's crap. Was that Dave Meltzer, that clip you played? Uh, no, that was not Dave Meltzer. No, no, no. Oh, it sounded Dave like Meltzer. Dave. Well, whoever yeah, that yeah, was Dave. said that when McMahon said he was right, he said you're either a sport when it's convenient for you and then you're not, and then you consider it entertainment. That ain't right. You can't have it both ways. Right now, they call oh. it entertainment, but I'm not being entertained. It's a sport in the least. they're athletic, but the wrestling is not as not as much as the skits. Cut down on the skits, give us more wrestling. And like uh, Curtis, Mr. Hughes said, uh, we were talking about when uh, Nitro was head-to-head with Raw, both of them competed. Uh, on a much higher level because they wanted to outdo each other. Yeah, they had a reason to be good then. Now they, they don't have no reason now. McMahon don't even consider TNA competition. So he don't give it to No. Him. Right. Yeah, no, he could care less. You know, he could care less. The MVP called himself MVP. He's not even wasting time since he owns that like this or whatever. Right. I mean, he doesn't even... Is it a TNA uh, a wrestling or is it a threat, any kind of threat? He even so, did it with uh, Christian. Christian was Christian Cage over there. And when he first started with WWE, he was Christian Cage. That's right. Yeah, oh, yeah a lot of people don't know that. That's right. And, uh, JJ, you think that's a possibility that the, the WWE Network... Look, uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a computer person. I'm not great. I'm okay, but I'm with. There's a lot of people like Dominic and Blackjack. It's not easy. They're not computer people, and uh, the WWE Network. It's you know a lot of people. It's 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 a, it's a tough sell because you know you you got to go to this one. You got to call. You got to order. You got to do so many things to actually get it. So, do you see some problems with the WWE Network, with, with all that in mind? Well, I'd yeah. rather watch stuff on YouTube. As you mentioned, you know, with the stuff with the older audience who maybe maybe not be computer savvy, it is more targeted towards that sort of younger audience who, you know, they know. There are kids, there are five-year-old kids who probably know more about the computer than I do, which, you know, it blows my mind. But at the same time, like you said, it, you know, it's that younger generation, and I don't know if, all those fans are really subscribing or not. And then you got, you know, as you mentioned, uh, there's so many things. At the one time, you want to save money, and it, it really does. You're saving money. I mean, if you're, if you're ordering these pay-per-views, which are $44.99 every month, you look at June. In June, we have June 1st, there's payback. And then in June 29th, we have money in the bank. Two pay-per-views in one month. There was a time when I hated that. I hated having two pay-per-views in one month, and you have to spend nearly 80, $80 to $90 on a show. Now with the network, you're only paying $9.99. You're, it really is a steal. But then again, if you look at these pay-per-views, these pay-per-views aren't the pay-per-views that we used to watch you know, with the attitude error when you had, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and Undertaker, Triple H, and Foley, and Jericho, and Shawn Michaels, these guys who are in their prime and delivering amazing matches and moments, and we're seeing these pay-per-views, and we're going, uh, you know, it's a pass, or it's not that great, and it's not living up to the hype. And as Dominic said, we were watching, you know, Monday Night Raw yesterday, which was three hours, 
and it was just awful. It was not a good show, and it wasn't a, even a great build-up towards the pay-per-view this Sunday. There wasn't a whole lot to really get you pumped for the show. I mean, you got, first of all, a WWE champion who can't really wrestle. You have, you know, again, it's in Chicago, which there's going to be a lot of, you know, people who don't like this, but there's probably going to be a big uh, CM Punk crowd there, and a lot of fans don't like that for their reasons. But it's just going to be a very awkward show, and I just feel like this could be even a worse pay-per-view than Battleground was last year. I mean, it's really, the built-up towards this pay-per-view isn't good. So at the same time, you're kind of glad you're only paying nine ninety-nine because there's no way in hell you would pay $50 for this pay-per-view. But, you know, it, you're getting great content for the price. Someone like myself or, like you said, you, King, if you're going on the network, even if you don't really know a lot about computers, if you can just get on and watch it, it's worth having, but at the same time, if you don't know the, if you're not computer savvy, it's a pain in the ass, and you don't want to do it. And as Dominic said, why why pay 9.99 for the W Network when you can see a majority of this for free on YouTube? JJ, you brought out a good point about two pay-per-views being on one bill. How about when you get a TNA pay-per-view and you got three on one bill? Ooh. I got one bill several months ago that had when I was still buying them. Yeah. Two WWE pay-per-views, a TNA pay-per-view, and a UFC, which I never ordered. Hmm. So they said, just subtract the amount. Yeah, okay. Make a mistake in my favor for once, not in yours. <laughs> now, when I tried right. to order the TNA one-night-only pay-per-view, Joker's Wild 2, yeah. I never got right. it. And I got my bill today, and it's on there twice. So I'm going to subtract the amount twice, write a nice note, and I'm going to tell them I'm deducting it because I never got to see it. And which cable company is this? Time Warner. Time Warner. So that's how I got to see it. Oh, really? Yep, and I tried to get it from Friday when it aired first all the way into Sunday night. And I was getting people asking me my PIN number, um, asking me to verify my name, my address, my waist size, how big my fucking head is. And I was getting all kind of accents from all different countries that I spoke to one girl and I said, you mind speaking English? She said, I am speaking English. So I did an I Love Lucy. I said, that's English. <laughs> One guy I was cursing at like crazy. I said, you stupid motherfucker. I said, what don't you understand about giving me the signal? He says, Thursday that that again, I'm going to drop the call. I said, you drop this call, I'll come there and drop you. Don't you just hate it when you call up and you get that stupid fucking uh, automated service? Hello. Uh... What number would you press Would you, if you have this problem? Press number one. I feel right. like saying, motherfucker, I have too many problems. Give me a fuck operator. Yeah, well, what I say right away is customer service. And I even asked for a supervisor when I was getting a run around with the TNA. And the girl said, there's no supervisors available. I said, what are you, crazy? Suppose you screw up what you're doing now and there's no supervisor to help you out. And the one guy that told me, he said, I'm not cursing at you. I said, well, curse at me. I don't give a rat's ass. I said, but that's the kind of mood I'm in because you put me in that mood. 
If I you always don't ask stop them to talking like that, I'll drop the call. I always ask the operators for their names because then they get nervous. <laughs> oh, that's an idea. That's, one that's yeah. good. I like that. You got yeah. Time Warner? Yeah. Okay. You got Next Time Warner? Time Warner, on the time Warner Cable Vision, any, anything. When I'm ordering and, 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 I, and I smell trouble, I'll say, excuse me, what's your name, by the way? I, I, I lost it. And oh, that's they'll good. say, uh, Billy Joe, hey, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You got time, Warner? JJ, how are you doing in Chicago? Cam, uh, Comcast. Oh, okay. How's Comcast, JJ? Well, as a W Network subscriber, I don't really need to call them up or do this. I, you know, I just order on the network, and I'm already automatically billed on my credit card, so I don't have to deal with those uh, operators. So oh, see. To me. No, you're in business. And it's <laughs> but, funny... Uh, when I when yeah. I called Time Warner, they got offices right. all over. All right. Now their center is on Jamaica Ave, uh, Atlantic Avenue in, in in Queens, and I think there's another one in Queens in Casino Boulevard. All right. Right. But when you call up and you want customer service or to order something, it depends on what time of the day you call. If you call during the day, okay. you might get New York. I called at night, and I've gotten to Philippines. Wow. And the girl told me. Really? Yeah. I said, you've got a cute accent. Where are you from? She goes, the Philippines. Oh. I said, how long are you living in oh. New York? And she says, you don't, I'm not in New York. I'm in the Philippines. <laughs> so I said, how the hell did I get you with a 718 number? She said, well, it rings, and wherever, whoever's available picks it up. I said, come on, you ain't in the Philippines. Where are you? She said, no, I'm in the Philippines for real. And she asked what oh time of God. day it was here. I said, I think it was like 1030 at night. She said, well, it's something like 3 in the afternoon here. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. But she helped me. <laughs> she was nice. Would you uh, kindly do the uh, birthdays for celebrities and wrestlers if you have oh, it Oh, yeah, on, birthdays uh, and celebrities. Okay. Let's see where I got that paper. I know it's here somewhere because I didn't throw it out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where am I? Okay. Okay. Birthdays for today's Brown. wrestlers. Let me just get, get Blackjack Brown in. Uh, we got, uh, let's see, uh, line eight. Uh, Mr. Blackjack Brown from the Chicago Sun-Times. Are you in? Hello, mate. How are you guys? Blackjack, where you been, man? Oh, man, today's uh, the day after the holiday, and it threw me off, you know? Oh, okay. Sorry, guys. JJ, King, Dominic, I'm yep. calling in from the Philippines. It's, it's <laughs> oh, amazing here yeah, that the Philippines, day. man, they got um, offices all over dealing with the uh, serious uh, FM people. Yep. They got people in the Philippines. Uh, people, uh, if you're calling the Chase Bank, same thing with that. People from the Philippines. Oh, they, wow. they give the, uh, that kind of a job towards uh, uh, people in the Philippines. It's yeah. not like in uh, America anymore, but it, it is and it isn't. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of them are in the Philippines. Yep. You yep. can tell with that, with that well, accent. Just, that you missed uh, a great superstar that we had. Tell him, Blackjack. Uh, tell him, uh, Dominic. <laughs> The Roughneck, Mr. Hughes. Oh, really? 
Yeah, Curtis the Cat Hughes was with us. He's great. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was awesome, man. Yeah, I thought you two would have clicked, because I thought you probably knew him. Yeah. All right, today's wrestler's birthdays. Um, Guy from California, Angel the Hardcore Homo. That's what he calls himself. And he acts the part uh-huh. awfully good. Really? Makes you think he really is. All right, then you got an independent guy, Natron Steele, Eric Bischoff, and oh. Natalia. Oh. Celebrities. We got Perry Gelpin, who used to be on Frasier, Louis Gossett Jr., Henry Kissinger, and one of my gals, Gladys Knight. All together now. Oh. She's leaving, leaving. On that midnight train to Georgia. All right, today in wrestling history, this is 1960. Thor Hagen defeated Lee Henning in St. Joseph, Missouri to win the NWA Heart of America slash NWA Central States title. Oh, it's also Todd Bridges' birthday. What you talking about, Willis? (laughs) Oh, one of uh, Blackjack's favorite shows. Oh, yes. I love that show myself. How funny could that be? Oh. That was, what was that, from the 80s and 70s? 70s. Oh, wow. I remember when okay, they... Okay, Yeah. No, I was okay, going to say, I remember when this guy from that show was in WCW or or where? Where he was a company... He would accompany... Um, Todd Mike Bridges? Awesome. Todd Bridges, you talking about? What? Which guy? The guy from uh, Different Strokes. Arnold or... Uh, yeah, Ar- Arnold. Arnold. He oh, would he come to the ring with Mike Awesome when Mike Awesome was doing that 70s character. Oh, yeah. And then they hit yeah. him in the head and he had tissues in his hat so he wouldn't feel the... The shot of who hit him in the head with whatever it was. He was about 40 then. Right? Why? He He's about 40 years old then. He was? He still looked like a little yeah. kid. Yeah. <laughs> he always looked like a kid. <laughs> hey, when they were doing the show, he was already in his late 20s. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was a, a classic. Sanford and Son also is another favorite of yours, uh, Blackjack and Dominic, oh, right? Oh, I love oh, Sanford yeah. and Son. I found a clip of Sanford and Son yesterday. It was one of my favorites. Fred is in bed, and I don't know what the hell happened to him, but Aunt Esther came up to visit him. And he said, Esther, I don't know why you came in here to visit me. You're so ugly. She said, who you calling ugly, Fred Sanford? And Fred says, "No, who you calling ugly, sucker?" Oh yeah, that's it. Who you call, <laughs> who you calling ugly, sucker? Well, I just want to say how ugly you are. You are so ugly. I could take your face, push it in dough, and make gorilla cookies. Good. <laughs> you and I, and I found I found another gorilla clip. cookies. That was yeah, gorilla thing, cookies. Man. That's what it's listed at on YouTube. Gorilla cookies. Then I found the one where they get arrested, and Lamont and Fred yeah, yeah. and, and Rollo are in jail. 
I don't know. Good I think they right? were involved with, like that with, a, with an X-rated movie deal. And they're sitting in the prison, and the guy, the jail cell, and the guy comes along with lunch for everybody. And Lamont goes to make a phone call, and Fred is standing there, and he looks at Rollo, and he goes, I got to go to the bathroom. He goes, <laughs> well, there you are. Turn around. You're looking at it. Yeah, that's it. He goes, turn around. Turn around. You're looking at it. Oh, hell no. That. That's the toilet? Oh, no. No, no, no. There's no walls around it. I can't go to the bathroom like that. Rollo says, well, you better hope it's a short sentence. And then who does Lamont come back with? On Esther. Why, you meaty-eyed, fish-eyed fool. You do it behind bars anyway. He says, "Let me. What about Grady?" Oh, Grady is great. When they brought in Ron Glass, and it was a friend of Lamont's, he said, "I told your father I was going to take care of his one and only son, and you bring a killer into this house." <laughs> Can you do the impression of uh, Fred Sanford when he says, "I'm coming to see you," like we like he's dying? All right, let's see. Uh, oh, all right. I remember a good one where um, Julio moves in next door and he says to Lamont, Lamont says, you know, Julio's family really doesn't have any place to stay. He said, I told them they could stay with us. And Fred says, I don't want any Puerto Ricans staying in my house. But, Pop, they got nowhere else to stay. I don't want any Puerto Ricans staying in my house. But, Pop, be reasonable. I don't want any Puerto Ricans staying in my house. And then the goat <laughs> comes in, and he says, Oh, no, it's a killer goat. Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. This might be the big one. You'll recognize me. I'll be the one with the goat horn holes in my butt. Yeah, the, the goat was eating his mafungo. Oh, that's great, too. He's sitting there, and Lamont says, Pop, come on, aren't you going to help me load the truck? Yeah, I'll be right there in a minute. What are you doing? I'm getting rid of the mafungo. Blackjack, how about the one with, uh, with his record collection? Blind Melagelli. Yeah. <laughs> Pop, what are you doing around here? I've been out all day loading the truck, and you're in here shaking your thing. And then you hear the music. Shake that thing. Shake that thing. <laughs> this is my record collection. Blind Melagelli. Can't duplicate this no more, son. And then okay, they run it over uh, with the, the next, truck. The next topic got, is... Uh, why the WWE should start a mini division. Let's take a listen. We'll debate on the other side. But they had the WLC match on the And the WLC match, I have to say, I enjoyed that. And I, I said that last week. I said this could turn out, if it's not just bad comedy, and it was, a lot, it was made for comedy, but if it, it wasn't just bad comedy, if they actually had a match, this could turn out to be pretty entertaining, and that's exactly what they did. These little guys went in there. 
and they had what probably was the third best match on the entire show. The Shield match was number one. Brian and Kane, I'd put number two. WLC was in the top three. On this, I would rather see ten WLC matches than the John Cena Bray Wyatt cage match on that show. These guys went out there. They worked hard. They did all these. Uh, I was gonna say high spots. Maybe that's not the right word for it. But they're bringing out ladders. They're bringing out tables. And even the guys, you know, 3MB's out there. The Matadors are out there. Drew McIntyre is a, a madman. At one point, he did a a uh, flip dive over the top rope. Nobody caught him. He just landed right on the mat, <laughs> on the thin mats on the floor. Uh, it was crazy. It just complete insanity. This was one of those matches you, would, again, would see back in the Attitude Era, all these wacky, crazy spots with tables and ladders and chairs and shit, and guys just beating the crap out of their own bodies. Uh, that's what this match was. It was a car crash. But the bigger point I want to make here is that you can build a minis division around these guys. You can build a minis division specifically around El Torito because El Torito, when he's in there and he's doing his thing, is awesome. But at some point, it gets a little old with Torito and Hornswoggle. You need more people. You need more minis. The women died a death on this show. I felt bad for Tamina. I felt bad for Paige. It's Paige's first title defense on pay-per-view, and it wasn't a very good match. And it wasn't, you know what, I take that back. It wasn't even that the match was bad. It was that the crowd was dead. The crowd was dead because they just came off that Shield Evolution match from earlier, which was awesome, and they came off whatever the fuck that thing was between Cena and Wyatt, which was terrible. It killed the crowd. So these women go out there before the main event, and they never stood a chance. And I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of seeing it, and something has to change. Well, if you want a buffer match... If you had a minis division, why not let the little guys be the buffer and actually give the women some breathing room? Let the women open the show. Put the women in the second match on the show. Don't put them in a position to fail. You know, the minis are going to go out there, and people are going to laugh, and they're going to be entertained. And it's a, it's a good, it's good comic relief. It's good relief between, let's say, the two main events. The women do not deserve to be in that position on every single show. They died a death at WrestleMania because people couldn't believe the streak ended. Nobody cared. I mean, that whole, that whole women's battle royal, I was in the building. It's like a blur. I barely remember anything that happened. So I say, build a minis division, which can be very entertaining, and make them the buffer on these pay-per-view shows from now on, and move the women up the card a little bit. Give them a few extra minutes. And move them up the card so... Whether they're out there for five minutes or ten minutes, at least they have a shot at getting the crowd into their match, and the crowd isn't just sitting there on their hands. As long as they insist on putting them on right before the main event every single month, it's going to be the same thing over and over again. And Paige is going to go out there, and she's going to defend her title, and nobody's going to give a shit. And maybe that starts to fuck with her head. Maybe that tells people backstage, hey, this is not working. People don't care about her as champion, or people don't care about the women. They don't care because you put them in a position to fail. You've got these minis. You can build it up. Put them in the buffer match. That's what I would do. Okay. I want to go to uh, JJ on this first. Uh, JJ, your thoughts on that situation? What makes you think the fans are going to care about a mini division. He just said the fans don't care about the Divas division. The fans, you got the United States title, the Intercontinental title, the tag team division, which is pretty much lost 
it's a shame because we got the Usos as the champion, and they have no one to wrestle. And yet they're going to add this new division of minis, and the fans are supposed to care about this mini division. The mini, the whole match at Extreme Rules, I even said it right here on the King Jordan Radio. I said, of all the matches, that was actually entertaining for some reason. I enjoyed it. I didn't think I would. I thought it was going to be terrible. But for some reason, El Torito, Hornswoggle with 3MB and Los Matadors, they went out of their way to make the match fun and entertaining. They took advantage of the fact that it was WLC, which is just a spoof on TLC, and it was actually an entertaining match. And that's kind of sad when you compare the other guys who are there busting their butt, guys like Barrett and Big E and R-Truth and Rob Van Dam and Cesaro, and the fact that they're not even listed as you know, one of the top five matches of the night. Instead, I'm giving props to El Torito and Hornswoggle. It looks pretty bad on them. And yet now they're going to bring in a mini division. I, I think that's ridiculous. They got maybe lightning in a bottle, if I would even say anything. They had one good showing, and now they're going to have another showing at Payback this Sunday. They're going to have El Torito versus Hornswoggle again, and it's going to be a mask versus hair match. If you can believe this, Hornswoggle has been in the WWE for eight years. Can you believe we've been watching this guy on WWE television for eight years? When <laughs> he was Vince McMahon's bastard son, and then he was Finley's son, and then he was a, a, a degenerate with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Now he's in a phony rock band with, you know, 3MB. He's he's done it all in in eight years. That's more than most superstars in their entire lives in the community. <laughs> and I mean, it's unbelievable to me. And I I don't know. I'm just, uh, uh, I'm at a loss of words. I, I read that about to find I didn't kid. think it was that long. Eight years. Uh, Dominic, <laughs> I know you like the uh, small guys. What's your take? Well, I go back to the days with Blackjack, with Fuzzy Cupid and Sky Lolo and the Midgets. The that put on a great match. They always did. Lord Littlebrook and Little Brutus, Little Beaver. Don't forget the lady. a girl I once knew. They called her Trim Beaver. Don't forget who, Blanchett? Yes. Don't forget who? The Haiti Kid. Oh, the Haiti Kid. Frenchie Lamont. Cowboy Lang. You don't have all them guys. He's in action. The last I heard, he was living in a old... In a... uh, In a... um, in a old, not an old folks' home, they, um, where they need help, oh. with shelters. Who? Which guy? The, 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 the Haiti kid. Really? I was trying to reach out to him and, and look for him. He was in the city somewhere. I had like a lead on him about a year and a half ago, and, and it died out. Oh wow! See, they don't have they don't have midgets like that around. You want to oh. go to? Uh, no, but they've been talking about it uh, on the last pay-per-view. They were talking about bringing back the midgets on a full-time basis. Yeah, uh, well, you want to see midgets? CMLL on a Saturday gives you the minis. They're all great. They're like El Torito. Right. El Torito is Mascarita Dorada, and he can go. Yeah. Hornswoggle is an indie guy. He can yeah. go. But there ain't enough minis to go around and make it really legit like it used to be. I don't think it's a good idea either. I mean, we got titles in the WWE that used to mean something. Now they don't mean nothing. They don't mean anything because anybody walking down the street can go and buy a belt. 
that looks just like the real one. Yeah. And I think it's oh, a bad yeah. idea. I think the women's I've division... I've seen some of those belts. And they look exactly like the uh, original. Yeah. I think the women's division yeah. could be doing a little bit better, but they're not yeah. appreciated either, because a lot of it is eye candy. Hey, and it ain't like the days of Moolor and them girls. Them I girls went out there and they really kicked their ass. Awesome. Remember huh? Awesome Kong? Yeah, yeah. that's that good when they had her until she got fucking uh, pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, King, what you, what's up with that? Well, we see her on that Brooklyn show and never got found out. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, do you remember she was a big force on uh, WWE for a couple of weeks she was on? you remember, Dominic? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think she left to have a baby. You are and correct. I remember they all surrounded her. And she, like, laid down on the mat, and that was the last we saw of her. You remember her, JJ? Yeah, but uh, as Dominic said, you know, she had a great run in TNA. She made the jump to WWE. She was crushing oh, yeah. the deep. People were really looking forward to seeing her mix it up with, you know, Beth Phoenix and, you know, wrestling some of those in Natty. But, unfortunately, she, she did get pregnant, but she lost the baby, and then she went into a deep depression. Yep. Oh, she lost the baby. Oh, yeah, boy. I met her at a convention, yeah. and she says, I don't know where I'm going to wind up next, and she was so sweet. I saw her at a convention. Oh, boy, did she look, uh, I hate to say it, like a crackhead. You know, she really looked bad. Like, uh, she hasn't, she lost weight, you know. Yeah, it I, like thought a the thing was, was, I thought you were ribbing me, King. When she was saying oh, that yeah, was who it was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't even look like her, right? Hell no. What is How long ago was what this? Uh, what, three years ago? I think yeah, I saw her a couple of years ago in uh, in Queens, where John Arezzi had the conventions. She looked she looked good, Dan. She looked like she was ready to go. Right when we seen her. Right, but when we saw her, oh my God, Dominic, she changed to like really person. Oh my God. Yeah, and speaking of a different you, person, are you you uh, is um you guys ready for maybe what may be a shocker in Chicago? Uh-oh. Have you guys heard any of the rumors or the possibilities of what, a, a certain wrestler showing up? Uh, Have you guys touched upon that yet? No. No. There there could be a possibility of uh, CM Punk showing up at at that event. Hmm. Well, they need him there because right now the event's not too good. It's and then if that's the case, they want to make him the uh, uh, sensational breakout star, basically. They're trying it in that area. So there's a good possibility uh, they want to bring uh, bring him back. This Daniel Bryan, at this point in time, he's not really cutting it. I don't know if you guys talked about that earlier on. But um, so all in reality, they need to bring back CM Punk, and that would be the most perfect spot to bring him back is in Chicago. Well, I'll go on record. If he don't come by by Chicago on the 5th, then it's you ain't seeing a, him. It's going to be a long wait. <laughs> you guys, did you guys, talk, did you Sunday, guys talk about the Jeff Sunday. Jarrett the situation? Did you? Did you guys talk about, about that? The Vince McMahon losing $357 million 
according to Forbes.com. Even Mr. Hughes knows about that. Uh, and Mr. Money, Hughes is school. It's money that was projected to say that we're going to make $350 million. Even if they make uh, $200,000, they're, they're still way ahead on the game here. Uh, not according to Forbes.com and everybody else. I guess but, that uh, depends on that level. That level wants to achieve that kind of money, but they're not they're not hurting in, in their pocket. I, I don't no, believe not, that. They're not TNA, they're not ECW of old, but right. they they could be doing much better. What what are you hearing on like what are you hearing on Jeff Jarrett's league? You heard anything about that? I haven't heard. Right now he's looking for wrestling. That's all I read today. That what? He's looking for talent. He's on okay. a talent hunt. One talent you want to throw in the ring at this point in time is uh, uh, Cactus Jack. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. You heard that, really? Mick Foley. Well, there have been a lot of talk about Mick Foley because he's a free agent now. His Legends deals went out, and he and didn't And he put himself it. on a shelf out there by by trying to uh, uh, blast out uh, um, Triple H WWE. and Stephanie. Yes, that he was did the latest. But still, and all, they're, they're what? They're yeah, that still... was that was crazy when uh, he did blast Vince McMahon. I was he very did that shocked to get the, the little bit of notoriety. These guys are, are, are still uh, friends. Who's God that? bless the man. Get what you can get Who's from this. We've seen these kind of leagues before. The Paul Alperstein League, the uh, UWF League with Herb Abrams, uh, when he had other wrestlers, top-name wrestlers like Sergeant Slaughter, Tito Santana, take over these new promotions when someone's got the money to uh, to invest in. And it looks like it's starting to happen again. Wow. Maybe Foley will go back to TNA. Nah, I think that's I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys, did you guys talk about this this Adam Rose guy? Oh my gosh! Why? Did you guys talk about that? What about yeah, Adam? Yeah, we talked Rose? about him when we were talking about Raw earlier. Yeah, that's horrible. That's a terrible that? gimmick. How, how ridiculous is that to you guys? The stupidest. Well, it's almost what, as bad as the menagerie in TNA with Nuxie uh, <laughs> and his family doing well, the circus uh, acts, guys on friggin' stilts. Come on. Let me, uh, let's go back to when, when they had Billy and Chuck. Uh, no, don't go back to that. I'm going to throw up. It, uh, Billy and Chuck. Let's some commentary about We that were debating the, the oddities were hard. I was day? wondering how you felt about the Billy and Chuck tag team, and do you think a similar bromance gimmick would work today? Well, we have the bromance and TNA, if you want to check them out. Uh, I was not a huge fan of Billy and Chuck. It just didn't do anything for me. But I have to say, Billy and Chuck were part of one of the greatest segments in WWE television, ever. That goes for Raw, SmackDown, any show. Uh, I heard Eric Bischoff. Uh, maybe on Twitter, somebody asked him about it recently, and because Eric Bischoff was part of that angle, the, the Billy and Chuck wedding on SmackDown, and Bischoff, through all the stuff that Bischoff has done in his career, including all the NWO stuff in WCW, 
He says that was the best thing he was ever involved with on a wrestling show. That was so awesome, the way they pulled that off. Uh, if you've never seen it, it was back in, like, 2003, uh, and Billy and Chuck were getting married. They were managed by Rico, and they were supposed to be, you know, they, they were supposed to be this gay tag team, and they were going to get married. And it was going to be a situation where they wouldn't actually go through with it. It was all going to be just for show, and Bischoff was dressed up in prosthetics as this old guy, as, as the reverend or the minister or whatever, whatever you call it. Nobody knew that it was Bischoff. It did not look anything like him. Unlike Dixie at the, the sacrifice pay-per-view a few weeks ago, where as soon as she came walking out there in that disguise, they, she got a chance of Dixie sucks. Nobody knew that it was Bischoff under all the, the prosthetics. The way they did this was awesome. And when they had the big reveal moment where he started peeling off parts of his face, it was awesome. It was great. It was this great shocking moment because they had this rivalry going on at the time between GMs. You know, Bischoff was the GM of Raw. Stephanie was the GM of SmackDown. So it was Raw trying to sabotage SmackDown. So Bischoff reveals himself to be the, you know, the, the minister or whatever. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, out comes three-minute warning. Rosie and Jamal beating up Billy and Chuck. Stephanie is appalled. Bischoff grabs her so she can't do anything. Then he throws Stephanie into, I think it was uh, Jamal, he gives her a Samoan drop. It's just complete chaos. Out come all the SmackDown guys from the locker room, Kurt Angle and everybody else, to chase the Raw guys and Bischoff through the crowd. They really did a good job of building up a rivalry between the two brands back when they actually did a brand split the correct way uh, or as close to doing it the correct way as they ever did it. But that whole angle was awesome. I love that. The Billy and Chuck team, not so much. But the angle was great. All right, J.J., I want to go to you first. What's your thoughts? Actually, I agree with him. I didn't really enjoy the tag team. I don't know if they were, you know, they weren't the New Age Outlaws or anything, but that angle was definitely very memorable. It's one of the top moments on SmackDown, you know, and as he pointed out, the whole brand extension and Bischoff, who was a part of Raw, and Three Minute Warning was kind of like his hitman squad, and he would have people laid out. And then Stephanie, who had this kind of wedding going on, and here you had the minister, and then there was this old guy, and then he revealed himself to be Eric Bischoff, and it was a huge, uh, huge shock. But at the time, you know, they got a lot of mainstream media attention. I think even Glad kind of gave their approval, and they, they liked, you know, the, the storyline between Billy and Chuck. So they got pretty much what they wanted out of it. I think the fans enjoyed, you know, that moment. Maybe, like I said, not so much the tag team, but uh, that was a, a very memorable moment uh, during the brand extension. Yeah, back then there weren't really people coming out of the closet or uh, whatever the case may be, like with the uh, NFL and NBA and whatnot. Back then, uh, in 2002, it was uh, it was much different, to say the least. Dominic, what do you think? Yeah, I didn't care for that whole angle, but the finale part was done great. I I didn't even guess that was Bischoff. I said, who the hell, where'd they get this old man from? It's probably one of the old guys that hangs out backstage. No idea it was Bischoff. I did like three-minute warning. Three-minute warning was excellent. They just went out there and they pulverized you. But the whole Billy and Chuck thing, before they got to the to the actual wedding, they were in the back and they said, it wasn't supposed to go this far. What are we, crazy? we got to do something to get out of this before we go out there. 
because neither of the two of them are. So they figured, all right, we got to put an end to this before we go out there. But the way they did it, the way it unfolded was was very well done. Yeah. No, no question. Uh, Blackjack, your thoughts? I totally agree with Brother Dominic. Word for word. Remember when Bischoff tried to do that HL hot lesbian action? Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. That bombed. That could have been good. Yeah, you're damn right it could have been good. That's the magic word. Could have been. Two hot women and none of them look like a dyke. That would have been awesome. It would have been like watching Playboy during wrestling. That would have been great. They should have a pay-per-view version where they could do that. They Uh, should. I don't know why they don't go any further during a pay-per-view. Every time there's a nip slip or a nipple slip, they cover it up. Let's see. We paid for this shit. Let us see a tit. Did you ever see uh, Jackie uh, when she... Oh, Oh, my God. She ripped her T-shirt off. Ah, God bless her. God bless her. And Sable? Sable, when she had her those hands painted on her tits, Jerry Lawler looked like he was going to shit himself. I said, my God. <laughs> I just paused that shit and stared at it for an hour. And see what else you did. <laughs> uh, this ain't Might that have kind been a little show. for Jerry, because uh, we know his taste is in the uh, and- son, junior high school. All right, but, uh, Andrew the... Dice Clay, what else did I do? I did the five-knuckle shuffle on my piss pump. Oh! Oh! <laughs> All right, okay. there's one more Sanford and Son. There's one more Sanford and Son that I got to do. And this is one of my favorite parts. How about the courtroom? That's the one. There's only one. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one I'm going to do. Do it, brother. The part of it that they cut out, you're going to know why. Lamont is in a car accident, and the truck is fucked up. So he's going to go to the small claims court. So the judge says, do you have counsel here with you? He said, no, I'm going to represent myself. So Fred walks in, raises his hand. He says, who are you? He said, I'm his counsel. Meanwhile... Bubba and Skillet and Leroy and Grady, they come in, and they're all sitting there making bets on whether Lamont is guilty or innocent. So he says, I'll represent my son. Show me the arresting officer. The arresting officer raises his hand. He says, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. Why don't you arrest any white drivers? So the cop says, I arrest plenty of white drivers. He said, you do? Look at this courtroom. There's enough niggas in here to make a Tarzan movie. And that part, they cut out. Well, it all depends on where you live. They, in, in my part of New York, they, they left it in. And if you watch the um, version that they have here in Detroit, thank God they leave it in, or they don't show that show very often. It's one of the funniest scenes of all time, of the episodes. Yeah, it's hysterical. I love it. And Lamont, they said, all right, you know what? The charges against you were dropped. And they told Fred, but you, we're fining you $50 in contempt of court. 
Contempt to court. Why are you fining me? Pop, shut up, or he'll increase it. Let's just leave. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we don't see any good comedy shows like we did in the uh, 80s. No. Uh, you know, I was a big Perfect Strangers fan. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh, with Cousin uh, Valky. And yes, Larry Appleton. Appleton. Remember that, uh, JJ? You might remember that. Hell no. That was in Chicago, wasn't it? Oh, it was? But he never watched that. That was a stupid show. Sometimes it was. Sometimes it was. Yeah, Martin. Oh, Martin's excellent. Damn, Tommy, you ain't got no job. JJ, you remember Martin? That was on in the air. I thought that was in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, I was the 90s, so. right. Yeah. The old sitcoms, the Jeffersons, was Jeffersons I love. Jefferson. Golden Girls, how about that one, Dominic? Yep. George, we got company tonight. Wow, who do you invite over, Wheezy? Mrs. Knight and Mr. Day? Nah. <laughs> yeah, you remember 227? Who? Uh, there was a, a 90s uh, takeoff uh, with the maid uh, on 227. Oh, I didn't watch that that much. Yeah. There was also another show where Sherman Hemsley was in. Amen. He, he was a pastor. Amen. Amen. That's it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I don't think I ever and watched that too family. much either. All in the family. Oh, yeah. and the family was great. Eat it. Can I get a beer over here? <laughs> what kind you want? Bottles or cans? We don't buy bottles. All right, then I'll bring you a can. <laughs> yeah, when I bring it up here, I'll stick it in your can. What? Absolutely. All right, believe it or not, we have a pay-per-view Sunday. That will happen to be in J.J.'s neck of the woods, in the shite town. And uh, we have six matches uh, stated. We'll go around. We'll give our predictions. Um, Let's start with Sheamus versus Ciaro. I'm going to go with Ciaro. J.J., you're picking my. And that's the U.S. title. Yes. The United States title, Cesaro versus Sheamus. I would have to go with Cesaro just because he's got Paul Heyman. It's his time. Sheamus isn't really doing much with the title. I think he would just do a lot better for Cesaro. Dominic, your pick. I'm going to go with Cesaro, too. Sheamus just seems to be in the mix, but really not doing anything with him. And I want to see Cesaro fire Paul Heyman. You're always talking about Brock Lesnar. He's not even around here. I thought I was a Heyman guy. And then you make Cesaro a good guy, and you keep Paul Heyman a bad guy. Oh, wow. Is that what they did? Unbelievable. Uh, Blackjack. Cesaro. Who? Who, Who's in it? He said Cesaro. Cesaro. Okay. No, uh, no reason get... he's going to win. 
the Intercontinental t- Championship match. Uh, uh, JJ, uh, it's a uh, vacant uh, Intercontinental title, right? No. Wade Barrett is the Intercontinental Champion. Rob Van Dam won the Beat the Clock Challenge, so he will fight Wade Barrett for the Intercontinental Championship. I think while Wade Barrett is just really hot right now, the fans are into him, and you might even hear some boos towards RVD this Sunday. I think the fans are just behind Wade Barrett, so he's going to retain the Intercontinental title. I hope that that, that Rob Van Dam wins it. Uh, I know the contract situation, he's there for six months and then he's out. If that wasn't intense, I would pick RVD, and in my heart, I hope RVD wins 100%. Uh, but I gotta go with Bad News Barrett. Dominic, you. Uh, Bad News Barrett. I was never a fan of all VD and his thumbs. Going all VD in the middle of a match. Nah, I'm going for Barrett. And getting high. Don't forget that. <laughs> uh, Blackjack. I wish to say RVD. I grew up with, uh, seen the, the guy grow up in, in this business. I would love for him to get that title once again, but the the, uh, the cards are stacked against him. I don't think he's going to win. Wade's going to so take it. So bad news, Brown, everybody. You've got bad news, Barrett, everybody has. And the, the next match we have is a last man standing match, JJ, for the third time. And uh, Bray's won. Bray has one victory. John Cena has one victory. But I'm going to say Bray's going to win it because they're pushing him to the moon, uh, Ralphie, uh, as they say. Uh, who, do you, who do you got? Well, like, as you pointed out, WrestleMania, Cena won, Extreme Rules, Bray Wyatt won the cage match. Now we have last man standing. You know, uh, they've definitely done everything they can to push Bray, and plus he has the Wyatt. He has Luke Harper and Eric Rowan in his corner. I don't know if the Usos will be in John Cena's corner, but uh, I think somehow Cena will retain, or not retain, but I think Cena's going to win somehow. Maybe the Usos will balance it out, and he'll be the last man standing. Uh, Okay, Dominic. All right. I don't think Bray Wyatt has got it. I really don't. I'm not a fan of Bray Wyatt. I like the I like the gimmick with the three. You know, I'm starting to really like that. I'm tired of Cena. I hope Bray Wyatt wins it. Oh boy. Me too. Yeah. So you got a uh, who, who's your pick, Dominic? Bray Wyatt. Okay, Mr. Brown. Ray White, he's going to take that sucker to the moon. I hope. Oh, wow. Evolution, Triple H, Randy Orton, and Batista take on Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. Wow. This is also a, uh interesting match, but I'm going to go with uh, – Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. What about you, JJ? Like you said, it's a no-holds-barred match. It's also an elimination match. So eventually it'll come down to maybe a three-on-one, a two-on-two. It'll come down to something. I think eventually we're going to see Triple H and Roman Reigns will be the final men of of each, uh, you know, 
faction. You know, last month I was wrong with Extreme Rules. I thought Evolution was going to win. So I'm not sure where they're going to go with this. I think they're going to somehow continue until SummerSlam, and we might even see Triple H versus Roman Reigns for SummerSlam. So I would have to think, and with Batista, Batista's going to be leaving to be pushing his movie. So I would just go with Shield. I think Shield needs this win. Uh, Dominic Valente. Shield, without a doubt. I think it's going to be wind up um, where Roman Reigns pins Batista oh. in the final. And then Triple H is going to get pissed. And then Batista's leaving anyway. And yeah. there was talk about bringing in Sheamus as the third member of Evolution once Batista's gone. So I think wow, Triple H is going to fire Batista, and the Shield is going to win. I'd like to see that. I'm, I'm kind of sick of Batista. I don't know. Uh, Blackjack. I'm going with Evolution on this one. Okay. If they're going against in the bag, yes. what's the purpose? They might as well keep uh, me one and one. I think they're going to still keep their evolution uh, as a stronger side to, to contend with. There'll be some outside, maybe, rules or something like that pertaining to the match, but I, I can't see evolution. Evolution will probably be close, close to being finished. Yeah, no question. I don't think you want to okay, get rid of them uh, so quickly. We have a midget's match. As you said, Seamus could be a part of that. He's good friends with uh, Triple H. They need to put him and and build up his career once again. And they also need to build up uh, Evolution again. So uh, I think it's going to be the old school way would um, one for you, one for me. Yeah. Okay. We have a midget's match, and it's a mask versus hair match. Dominic will probably like this one. As I thought it was a tail match. Torito, I think I'm saying that right. I'm not sure. Versus Hornswoggy. I'll go with Hornswoggle. JJ, your thoughts on the match versus hair match? You know, last month at Extreme Rules, I actually enjoyed the match. I thought they did everything they could to deliver. They were the top, you know, three of of the nights. So I don't know. If Create that uh, at payback. It's going to be mask versus hair. Whether or not they unmask El Torito or they cut Hornswoggle's hair, I think more than likely they might cut Hornswoggle's hair. So I guess I would go with El Torito getting another victory. Uh, Dominic. All right, I'm going to go with El Torito because they could keep that gimmick going, being the little bull, and they could still keep Hornswoggle around even with a bald head. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with El Torito to take that and take the hair of Hornswoggle. I didn't know he was there eight years. Wow, that's amazing for a uh, midget. <laughs> eight years. <laughs> uh, Mr. Brown, it's gonna be like Cinco de Mayo Day all over again with the, yep. the Mexican midget winning again. Yep. <laughs> oh my! Uh, so who's your pick? The bull. The bull. El Torito. There you go. The one that lost his tail already. (laughs) Maybe years ago when McMahon tried the midgets, they had a mini Vader, a mini Goldust. 
Yeah. 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 That didn't last long at all. That was like a good second thing. I remember yeah. Jim Cornette. I think he was managing the midgets. Yeah. And he did something yeah. with Minnie Vader, and he took him into the bathroom. He said, boy, this is really a pain in the ass in my life. Every time this little guy's got to go to the bathroom, I've got to pick him up. There was a midget standing in front of a urinal, and he couldn't reach. So he looks up at Jim Cornette, and Cornette picks him up under the armpits to take a leak. Didn't Pat Patterson and one of those guys, weren't they trying to hit on the midget? Didn't you see that? Oh, I had heard that back then, You better look at that, uh, the Phil Donahue show again. That's that's what they were uh, applying, uh, trying to provide information about that, but I don't know how true that was. I don't think so. Uh, what's it, that, that radio show uh, host name yeah. that said that uh, one of the midgets had been approached by the a little, what, a little beaver? Little beaver was yeah. approached to Sky Lolo or Laura Littlebrook, one of those midgets. Yeah, I, yeah. I and was running was for the high hills after that uh, uh, approach. And never, they never saw him again. <laughs> I don't yeah, remember hearing well, that back then. If you go to YouTube and you type in scandals of 1992, all this shit will pop up. It's mind-boggling. Uh, yep. Especially that Phil Donahue show. Yeah, yeah, Bruno was on there, and he was against McMahon. Superstar was on there, against McMahon. George and, was uh, on there, too, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yes, Dave Meltzer. Uh, yeah, Dave was on they, there, yep. They had this announcer that claimed and, that Pat Patterson... And Barry Horowitz, he was on there too. Uh, Barry O. Barry O's uncle. Oh, Barry O, I remember him. Yeah, they wanted to, they wanted to have sex with him, but he didn't want to give in, and he got fired. That's the same thing that they said about uh, uh, Jim Powers a couple of weeks back, didn't they? Yep. Jim Powers said, you know, once you fool me, twice you fool me, three times you're not fooling me. They said it about Paul Roma, too. They wanted him. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you listen carefully, Roddy Piper was in in part of the action, too. As doing what? Yeah, really, as doing what? As, As a youngster, he was very rowdy. Uh, Jim told Jim told us. No, uh, the don't was, swing that way. Oh, none of them swing that way, but you know, to advance, you know, like I said, I stand corrected. If Jim Powers would have, how do I say this? Uh, if Jim Powers would have uh, given it up, but if, 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 and, if Jim Powers would have played ball, that's what you trying to say. He would have played his balls right. He would have been possibly, you know, at least intercontinental champion. Right, Blackjack? Those are the rumors that was uh, said upon that show. If you heard it on that, I think RVD videos with uh, Paul Roma, I believe that's what was alleged. And I believe also that's what Jim Powers was talking about. And I believe also that Jim Powers finally heard that. And uh, he's still after that video. So, uh, anybody out there? 
I thought they sent it huh? to him, King. No, he watched the whole video. That's not the seven-minute preview. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, 90 minutes, the whole thing. Big difference. But, yeah, uh, so I that's saw a uh, part of that, and it's just basically little clips. But he he wants the full thing. It, uh, there's a way he'll get it. I'm working on it. Oh, really? Should I tell him that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said it when uh, when he was a guest that week. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. He said, all right, it sounds good. Only oh, thing okay, is, the friend of mine that could get it done is uh, in the midst of moving. So as soon as he's settled, he said he'll do it. Okay, I will pass that on to him. Thank yeah. you. All right. That's good news. So uh, we have this pay-per-view, and uh, J.J., are you going to order it? Nine ninety five. I got the network. The I don't have to, I'm going to automatically get it. So it's just a matter of watching it. Oh, you get it for th- you? You got that package or something? But you get some pay per views. You pay one. I have the WWE Network, so it's going to be on there regardless. I don't have to do a single thing. All I have to do is turn my computer on. Well, doesn't it give the nine ninety five? Isn't that the price? Well, the pay per view itself is forty four ninety nine. But if you're a subscriber to the WWE Network, chances are you are already charged for the month, so you're done. You're set. All you have to do is log in and turn it on. So it's not an additional nine ninety five. No, you are already charged. No, for if you pay for the month already, it's all included. He he bought oh. it already because yeah. he paid for the oh, month. Oh, okay. It's not a Oh, then you might as well watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I got nothing to lose. Absolutely. And uh, I guess the next pay-per-view will be, the next big pay-per-view will be either TNA's Slammiversary and or SummerSlam. So we'll have to wait and see. Another good show, guys. like to thank uh, uh, Mr. Hughes. Shout-out to Jeff. Uh, thanks, J.J., Dominic.